This is Digital Marketing Fastlane. This podcast will show you how to build, launch, grow, and scale a widely successful online business. Listen to real conversations with proven practical strategies and success stories. You're going to learn how to generate more traffic, more sales, more profit, and customer lifetime value for your online store. Coming to you from the online marketing experts at Voy Media, here's your host, Kevin Urrutia. Hey, everybody. It's Kevin Urrutia. I'm here with Eric Philippou. Hey, Eric. What's up? Not much. How are you? Good. So today we have a very special episode. Today we're trying a new format, talk about some of the news that we're seeing lately in this online marketing media buying space, maybe some Facebook stuff as well. Kind of seeing right now where Facebook just recently announced that we're talking about here at the company is Facebook put out an article on their business site saying that in order to improve ad performance throughout their whole system and throughout the whole Facebook ad ecosystem, they're going to start limiting the amount of ads per page. Eric, what are your thoughts on that when you first saw that or you heard that? So when I first saw it, my knee-jerk reaction was I was very worried because I was looking at the ad accounts I work with and the pages we have. We had problems in the past on really big accounts where there's a limit on dynamic creatives you can run. And that had a big impact on our strategy because we were running hundreds and thousands of ads. And that was right before Q4. I think the limit is always there. We just hit it and we didn't realize it. I had kind of flashbacks of that. Then I looked in a little deeper. We're spending at a lot of them. The amount of active ads. So you can publish more ads, but keep them paused. And then when I saw it like that, all right, it's a lot more reasonable. I think a lot of people were triggered when they saw a small page on Facebook end is less than 100K. 100K isn't that much on Facebook. You're not a big company to them. Obviously, it doesn't mean like you're not making money. But in Facebook's term, they're working with hundreds and hundreds of companies. Large for them means over $10 million a year in ad spend. Everybody doesn't want to be classified like small, low income. People just want to always feel a little bit better prestige. All these small businesses and people virtue signaling and go, I'm going to pause Facebook. That was a drop in the water because they have 200 million advertisers. 80% of their revenue is probably from 20% of those advertisers. Just the Biden campaign or some of the big corporate brands we work with, they spend tens, probably hundreds of millions of dollars. And there's thousands of those companies. There's a lot of money being spent on Facebook. It's one of the richest companies in the world for a reason. You see all these gurus in our world that go, we spent 10K a day. That would qualify that 100K month. That's when you see gurus saying, I spent 1K a day. Literally no money at all to Facebook. I spent a million dollars on Facebook last year. This is what I learned. We spent $2.5 million a month. It's almost a vanity metric how much you spent. From a management standpoint, I get it. You have to manage it. Profitability and stuff is a huge factor. The return on that is a huge factor. What you're learning. But if you learn anything, a lot of these large companies, sure, they're spending 100K a day in some cases. I'm not going to name specific companies, but I know for sure companies, they're spending five to six figures a day. But if you saw with their ad strategy, they're kind of clueless. Most people listening to them are better advertisers. Most people listening to this podcast are better advertisers than them. A lot of money spent, but it almost means nothing unless you know the return on it. Kind of going back to the ad limit situation in general, and you talk to anyone at Facebook, if you have 250 ads, just think about how many campaigns that probably is. Let's say we have four ads in an ad set, which is kind of pushing it, depending on the situation. I'm assuming not dynamic creative, by the way. I don't know how many ad sets you have in a campaign. You're not going to have 100 ad sets, 400 yeah. ads. Yeah, might have three or four ad sets. Ads up. If you're testing a lot and you're just paying attention, you know what to turn off. You know what ads are getting you the majority of your money. I kind of like the move in a sense because... It kind of goes with what Facebook's been telling people for a long time is this consolidation. 
they established this learning phase thing, which a lot of people have issues with, but they're pushing people to consolidate and spend more time, wait for statistically significant data before making a decision. Otherwise, you're going to have people spending $5 a day panicking because they didn't get a 10 row as and then switching the next day. Because that's a huge thing with a lot of novices and they're just not going to want to spend their money. Frankly, a lot of people in these huge companies, they're actually not very experienced. They're more likely to make those kind of decisions than spending maybe mid five figures a month in ads. Facebook has an interest in making people understand to wait for statistical significant yeah. data, slow things down, consolidate. It's important for both Facebook and your own success. People who have a big issue with it, maybe just take a look at what ads are really getting you the best return and consolidate them a little. It goes back to everything they're doing, a way for them to find them and say, oh, this is why you can only have a certain amount of ad limit because you need to actually go through this learning phase. The days are gone of where you can have low CPAs getting more expensive. Facebook's saying, we just need more time to find you these customers. People are always buying things, but then just buying fatigue, bought enough shit. There's more companies coming on Facebook too. And just for what it's worth, e-commerce in general, I don't have the stats in front of me, but before COVID, it was like 12% of all purchases in the US. Now it's like 30, 40% of all purchases in the US. So e-commerce in general, which is obviously how Facebook makes most money, a lot of e-commerce brands, online stores, they are going to be booming. I don't think it's going to end after COVID, honest. I've adopted these behaviors that they should have adopted you know, naturally. That's a situation. Facebook, I think, is going to get more and more competitive. People are going to realize the value in it more. Every restaurant that went out of business, their chefs are marketing cookbooks online. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of that coming up. Next topic. It's published in a couple, uh, I think Tech Radar published it, Prime Day Leak. If you Google it, it comes up. Basically, some people think that Prime Day is going to be October 26th this year. Maybe okay. October 5th, I heard people throwing that. A big Prime Day really close to Q4. What does this mean? I know you sell on Amazon a lot. What does this mean for brands? Amazon is smart. They're trying to get their sales before everybody does their own sales on their own websites. Prime Day, October 26th is almost right before Thanksgiving. Really, by this time... And we do this too, Eric, we talked about it before. If you're buying a gift for somebody for your holidays, you're only been buying them one thing. So once you buy it, they're done. They're not buying again. This is Amazon's way of saying, let me get in front of that and get people to spend their money on us versus their stores. Yeah. Just start early because if you, let's say you're selling a Father's Day gift, for example, if you can promote that now, people only have like one or two dads, I guess. When you put it there, it kind of highlights the brilliance of it. They could have had Prime Day in July, the big sales, when the economy was tanking, people don't know anything about COVID, it was still very foggy. People were ready for it. E-commerce was booming. Maybe they realized, oh, we could sell things at full price, make more money, whatever it is. This is a calculated move because people wanted a discount. E-commerce was such high demand. They're like, all right, we could sell things full price. We don't need to have Prime Day. They put it basically late October, almost November. I think this yeah. is brilliant by Amazon. First of all, 50% of e-commerce purchases are on Amazon. They're going to take over Black Friday because we even saw it in our own ads the last few years in a row. Conversion rate in November starts to decline in the first week. Click-through rates are the same. Even cost per ad to cart are relatively the same. But conversion rate is the metric that decreases because people are expecting some sort of Black Friday sale. We saw a lot of people bookmarking. I think it was Google Analytics. We saw You see a lot of bookmarks happen in November in some cases for some stores. Once that happens, people are expecting a discount. I think it was November 2nd, November 3rd, we saw cases. Yeah. In the first week of November, we saw early, super early Black Friday ads. 
people are expecting it and they're doing pretty well. Amazon's just taking that even further. They're just saying, oh, we're having the biggest sale of the year a month before Black Friday. I can't be mad at it. And honestly, if you're mad at it, you should have an Amazon store. If you're listening to this right now, you're not on Amazon, it's probably too late. There's a cutoff when you can join mm -hmm. to be in this sort of Q4 phase for them. It's still good to be on though. Amazon in general, like I said, they're 50% of purchases. So if you have a Shopify store and you want to have an Amazon store, think of the equivalent. It's like if you open a physical brick and mortar location, the middle of nowhere, Ohio, as opposed to maybe the busiest shopping area of New York City. That Amazon is the busiest shopping mall in the world. Shopify, you have to reach out and get people yeah. to So it's like having a location in the middle of the nowhere. Amazon's also a good one to have proof of concept on. If it does well on Amazon, you don't need as much advertising dollars. Things do well on Amazon, you can use that. And maybe in your insert, you can have people have like, oh, here's 50% off your next purchase to, I guess, your website. Amazon allows that or not. I'm not sure, but those are things you can do to build a Shopify brand from an Amazon brand. Oh, there's so many ways to use Amazon as a kickstart to get things going. And then you sort of leverage that. So that's another Amazon Prime, something to be Prime Digital, something to be conscious of. There's definitely going to be like more extensive that week or so. They also have like promos leading up to it too. You know, for us, we're, we sell on Amazon and Amazon just gives you the ability to like push so many promos out. Your daily deal, your deal of the day, right? There's so many of that. When it's around this time frame, Amazon pushes us as FBA sellers to promote and discount. Everybody is not, Prime Day is just the day where all the marketing converges, but kind of like Black Friday, the days before that, we're all leading up to this. I assume CPAs are going to go up. For sure, people are going to be using Facebook to drive traffic to their Amazon listings. Because the more sales you have on Amazon listing, the higher organically you are, and then you're going to get more organic sales. Amazon strategy that people use with Facebook to boost up their rankings. And that's why sometimes things are more expensive. Next thing we want to talk about is OA.com. They had a huge discount, 50% off. They made a big announcement of it saying, we never do this big discount, which I thought was interesting because they're like a premium brand, but they're already pretty cheap compared to other premium brands. Kind of funny because a lot of brands do this and say that they're a premium brand. They're just like any other brand. Like people just want to go and buy something that's affordable. And they already call themselves like affordable luxuries. Discount doesn't really mean anything, nothing too crazy. But of course, this is also travel space right now. They're clearly hurting. No one's buying luggages at all. They'll probably just have tons of tons of inventory that they can't sell. Selling it is better than the inventory fees. Undering why they're just having a discount because you pay inventory fees. And if you have this huge warehouse of a luggage that's pretty big, you're probably going to lose money. So might as well just sell the product. It's a discount, but that's also because they're already losing money from all the warehouse fees. So they'd rather get it out. And it's better to just product out there. Away was a big company and they were always in this mantra of never discounting. And of course, I think people were totally understand with it and they had so many sales. A lot of people on Twitter were saying, oh my God, like DC brand, can't believe you're discounting. Comparing it to like Gucci or Louis Vuitton, VSL. 100-year-old companies, I'm like, yeah, they never discount because they're all Louis Vuitton. They have like their own runways. They have their own shows. They're also working with the best celebrity endorsements. One-month-old D2C brand isn't like a Louis Vuitton. You can't do a discount. No one knows who you are at all. Consumers understand the price slash move. They're kind of immune to it almost, unless you put some real urgency on it, really sell it. But if you just put the price slash on your website, you know, people don't really fall for it depending on the situation. Really, they're doing it as a business sense. They just need to move units. If you have inventory and you can't do it, you have to do a sale. I think sometimes brand owners or even people realize you're paying storage fees. Think about how much that costs you before you're like, oh, I'm never going to sell because if you don't sell units, you're going to be paying something. It might not be ad spend. It'll be another cost. One of the reasons why brands in like the supplement space, the powders are so good is because the inventory space is so much less. $200 suitcase, 
okay, that takes up this giant space. If you have just to move it is a huge hassle um, shipping it. In some cases, like furniture, shipping it, it doesn't ship like a normal where you have to sign for it or something. It's a whole ordeal. That's something to keep in mind, those very high average order value things. There's often some trade-off. You got to be mindful of the expenses, but things like, I don't know, supplements or jewelry or I mentioned jewelry because I know diamond thieves. Great. Just like in general, e-commerce tip that you just mentioned. It's also awesome to sell something big, but all this other stuff. I was talking to another founder recently and she sells massive, essentially like laundry drums, custom made. And Mm -hmm. she was saying that they cost like 250 and people buy them. And she was saying, but to ship them is $50. It's expensive to sell and someone buys it, but the shipping is so much. Whereas like supplement, it has a high perceived value and it's also really tiny. Like a bottle is so small and shipping is probably what, less than five bucks. And then storing it is probably super cheap. The money per size is so much greater. And even like large things, a suitcase, if it's an empty piece of plastic, it's not as heavy as something like appliance, computer or something like that. Think of the weight, not just volume. Anything else happening this week in the marketing space, Eric? My Evernote document. We want to talk about this IOs, Facebook. Apparently, Apple is going to be blocking all the key tracking. What's going to happen there, I think, is the issue with anything like Facebook is they're going to lose all the cookie data from ad. What we're seeing and sort of what our rep is saying to us is you have to implement essentially API tracking of your purchases. This is something that other companies have done it before. So this is not like the first time you do it. It's just like a more technical way to do it. And of course, with the pixel, it's just much easier because it's just on page load. But where the back end wise, it reminds me of the old days of programming things and tracking orders in the checkout function, whatever, passing this data. Now it's like, oh, we'll just do it through JavaScript and it's easy and there's no coding. I don't think this is anything too new. I think it's going to be new for people that haven't experienced it. But for me, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this makes sense. It's like Zapier. Oh, passing the data from this thing to this thing. And that's it. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a Zap. Zapier is a tool. If people don't know, it's Zapier.com. It basically allows you to take data from one source and put it to anywhere else. Shopify data to your Slack, Shopify to your email, Shopify to your Excel pipeline, essentially. There's going to be a Zap from Shopify data to your ads manager. You're going to pass in that G-click ID or whatever backend cookie that Facebook might associate to a unique user. I think people are making a big deal because it is. There's going to be a lot of people making workarounds and Facebook's really pushing these workarounds already. This is more of a technical situation, whereas if you're just a marketer, a lot of people listening to this, they're just media buyers or e-commerce business owners. As long as you have good ads that persuade people and you can just fix this little technical hurdle, you should be fine. Whereas I see some people on DTC Twitter, like it's the apocalypse or something. I come from a programming background, so all this stuff that I see is so easy to think about. Whereas Mm -hmm. I look at Twitter, I'm just, this is so obvious. Why are people going up in the air. It's the most basic thing. Even installing a pixel, people are like, oh my God, I'm learning programming. You're just copy and pasting. But that's also what makes like us here at Boy Media Different. Like Wilson and I, we worked in the tech background. This stuff is like very basic to me. But yeah, Eric, you're a hacker now, making landing pages. Like even landing pages, right? You thought it was tough. And And I was like, Eric, this is this drag and drop. I forgot what it was. I sent it to my friends who are not at Boy Media, but Unbounce or it was some program where it said, it's like a non-programming Webflow, maybe? Might have been Webflow. Basically, it was saying this whole no-code... No-code movement. If you think about Shopify, that's no-code. I saw the phrase no-code programmer. What is that even? That's like drag and drops. No-code programmer? Someone that can just has logic. It's like bald barber. No-code is a really big thing. And if you think about Shopify, why Shopify is so successful, it's because it's no-code e-commerce. WordPress and and WordPress and WooCommerce, that requires some technical ability to do that. A lot of people use Shopify, they're already using no code. And ClickFunnels is a great example yep. too. A lot of these big tech companies, I don't know, B2B, but definitely these marketing tech companies, 
they made something that was very technical and made a drag and drop version of it. And then it explodes because it's like, oh, well, this is so easy. I'm not mad about it. I love it. Great. It makes it more accessible. And then this is why I think to tell people before your advantage was that you knew how to code. Where now, even playing field. That's why Facebook has gotten so competitive because everybody can make a Shopify store now. Before it was like only select few could do e-commerce because you had to learn a program, backend inventory. Yeah. Why stuff is getting more expensive is because mm-hmm. the playing field is just so much easier to enter. How you actually need to have a good product, which people hate doing. Two, you actually need to learn marketing. People are like, I hate learning marketing. You need to learn marketing. I do hear people say, oh, this no-code movement is just going to scale to every single... The same way yeah. just tech is scaling to every part of life. No-code is going to scale to every part of tech. I'm here. For sure. Yeah, I think so too. It's definitely the future because if you think about it, everything we do is no-code. You yeah. don't want our user interface. Sure, exactly. code. <laughs> Good example is think about RevealBot. Not really no-code, but it's kind of like very low code with rules and logic. And that's a great example of what that is. This kind of goes into another topic that we didn't even plan on talking about today. If you're listening to this, you're probably a marketer. So if you have any sort of skill in tech or a friend in tech, marketing tech is a phenomenal industry to think about. Yep. SaaS companies. Kevin, I know you have a SaaS company in marketing tech. You don't have to think about anything. It just shows you the data. So we actually just implemented Facebook ads then. Onto yeah. the- it is called metricsbox.io. It's a Shopify app. We just yep. implemented uh, Facebook data. Should be out when the podcast is released. It basically shows you all your data, calculates your CPA, average order value. We're adding lifetime value too of a customer and sort of like allows you to export all these segments to your Facebook. When you can understand the data more, everything's just so much easier from all parts of the store, not just on Facebook ads. There's huge opportunity in SaaS. And that actually be a great podcast episode. We should do an episode on SaaS marketing too, Eric, and then also just the core metrics. The average cost is so much different. It's such a great opportunity where if you want to learn. That's really all we have for today. I think uh, another great mm-hmm. episode. Sometimes there's no news, but I feel like there's always something to report on. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoy. Subscribe to us on Spotify, on iTunes, or wherever you subscribe. And I think this might go on YouTube as well. We actually have a lot of content. Our brand audits are awesome. We'll talk later. I know which brands we should do. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. This week's episode of Digital Marketing Fastlane was brought to you by the performance marketing experts at Voy Media. Join us again next time as we'll be bringing you more tips, techniques, and know-how to make your online business the very best that it can be. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, we'd love to hear them on Twitter at Voy Media. Thank you.